Well, we're at the last week of the I Am series, right? Last one. Pretty good. We asked you to send some emails, just some testimonies of, of what God was doing in you through it all. I, I know for me it's been an extremely powerful journey just figuring out Jesus, right? Like, not that we're ever going to completely figure him out, but with everything that's going on, with what the world's saying about Jesus, what the Internet's saying about Jesus, what Facebook, Twitter, CNN, Fox News is all saying about Jesus, Man, I can't think of a better time to open up our Bibles and see what Jesus has to say about Jesus. So, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. We've been in John this, this whole time, and like we've done for several months now, and I've really enjoyed doing it. I think some of you have too. We've been reading large portions of Scripture, right? Have you noticed that? Like, large amounts of Scripture. We're going to do the same thing today, and, and really it's because we want to find out how this I am statement, which is usually, what, a verse or two, but we want to see how it fits into the larger context. So what comes before the verse, what comes after the verse. So we're going to do that again today. Again, if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're in John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to go all the way through verse 44. Verse 1 through 44. Before I start to read, let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're desperate for your word to speak today. I know for myself, we need you. We, we need your presence. We need your spirit. And I have a confidence that you're here. You're here to show up. You're here to speak. You're here to move. And I pray an encouragement over every person here, Lord, that your word would just fire us up. Fire us up for what you want us to be and what do you want us to do in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Marthy. Martha. Martha, Martha. <laughs> I cracked myself up. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through him. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and loved Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Are not the twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was talking about rest in sleep. And then Jesus, he told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. 
Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus, he'd already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews, they'd come to Mar Martha, come to Mary to console them concerning their dead brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary, she remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, through, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now when she had said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were in her, with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise up quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. He was greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died, he came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Awesome. Can we give a big thanks to our readers today? Good job, you guys. Solid work, Scott. Solid work. <laughs> Trevin, you, you too. I mean, all of you, you all did well. I, I don't want to, you know... No brownie points. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in that passage. There's more than we could cover in, in one setting. But in the midst of this incredible miracle, it's an incredible miracle, right? There's really not much greater than a dead person coming to life. Right in the middle there, you see this I am statement. And, and let's go ahead and read it again. It's verse 23. Jesus said to Martha, your brother's going to rise again. Martha said, I, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, what? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her a question. Do you believe this? And I love her response, by the way. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So I hope you caught it, right? He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And I just love that about Jesus. He's so bold. He's, he's letting everybody know there that, yeah, this guy... 
he's dead, right? He's dead in the tomb. But listen up. He says, if you want to live after death, I'm your guy, right? There is no resurrection apart from me. I am the resurrection. He also says, hey, if you want life, like eternal life, life that goes beyond the grave, I'm your guy. I am the life. Notice he doesn't just say that he gives life. He says he is life. He is life. Which, by the way, should be extremely powerful and encouraging for us today because if Jesus is life, death has no place in him. You ever think about that? If Jesus is life, then death has no place in him. Death has no power over him. Death. Death, it's not a part of the equation of who he is. He's not death, he's life. And so if you and I have Jesus, what do we got? We have life, praise the Lord. Life, true life, eternal life, where death has lost its power over you and me. I hope that encourages you today. It was encouraging me as I was studying the word this week. It reminds me of a lot of different passages in the scriptures that talk about the life that we have in Jesus. I'll just read one of them in, in 1 John chapter 5. John says, and this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son and i love verse 12 he says whoever has the son has what has life whoever does not have the son of god does not have life john is so clear if you have the son you have life why because jesus is life and with jesus in us life in us it's impossible for death to defeat us i don't think we completely understand that maybe we, we won't ever fully understand that but hopefully today you just hear what i'm saying Jesus is life, and if you have Jesus, you don't have death. You have life, eternal life. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to make the claim that he's the resurrection and the life. It's a whole other thing for him to prove it. He kind of does that, right? We call it Easter, yeah, right? Have you ever been to church on Easter? We, we celebrate, yes, he died on that cross, but three days later, they looked, right? He was gone. He, they looked in the tomb. He, he's gone. He, he's risen. We, some of my favorite songs talk about the fact that we serve a risen Lord. But he confirms it there, but he also confirms it right here in this passage, doesn't he? Let, let's look at his, this confirmation. He, he says, uh, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. At that point, I would have turned around. <laughs> Not my... Not my thing. <laughs> Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Don't you just wish you could see what this would have been like? Lazarus! come out, calls him by name, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died, he came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. It must have been kind of awkward as he was coming out because then Jesus has to say, unbind him and let him go. Again, don't you just love Jesus? He makes this claim that he is the resurrection and the life and then he raises Lazarus, four days dead with a bit of a smell, he raises him back to life. Again, showing all of us, and showing my heart this week, that death has no dominion over Jesus. Death has no power over Jesus. And when he calls your name, when he calls my name, just like he called the name of Lazarus, guess what? Death will have no power over us. 
Because he lives, we live because he is life. I have life. It's encouraging, isn't it? It encourages me. This is the hope of resurrection. It's important for us as Christians to understand this hope of resurrection. The Apostle Paul, if you remember, he talks a lot about the resurrection. He talks about these new bodies that we'll get uh, at the resurrection. He talks about this defeat of death. He, he, he puts it this way. He says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And don't you love it? Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is defeated in Christ. God gives us the victory through Christ. And what does that mean for us? It means we rise, right? We rise. We, we're, we're raised from the dead. I love earlier in that chapter of the Apostle Paul, he talks about the idea of resurrecting, and he's actually speaking against some people who don't believe in the resurrection. People that just say, nope, this is all there is. There is no resurrection. And so yeah, I, I love what he says. Look at verse 12. He says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, it's in vain. Your faith, it's in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, it's futile. And I love what he says, and you're still in your sins, stuck in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished if Christ hasn't been raised. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, and I love when Paul puts in the little but. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. I love that. I love the argument too. I, I love the way he puts it. He said, hey, if Christ didn't rise... My preaching, it's in vain. Your faith, it's in vain. Faith, he says, it's futile. You're still stuck in your sins. Those who have died, just think about the people who have died. Your grandparents, your spouse, your kids, whoever it is. They've perished, they're gone forever. The Christian, he says, of all people, is to be most pitied. Most pitied. Why does he say that? Well, he says that because Christian life back in the day, <laughs> during Paul's time, you thought it was hard now. Nothing like it was back then. The persecutions they faced, the hardships, the, the trials, and if all they had was this life, right? If all that John the Baptist and Lazarus and Mary and Martha and the disciples and Timothy and Barnabas and Silas, if all they had was this life and no future hope of a life spent with Christ. Paul says, man, of all the people in this earth, they are to be most pitied. Paul starts talking about his own life a little bit later on he starts sharing some of the hardships he faces he talks about how foolish it would be for him to face any of those trials if there is no resurrection he he says he's in danger every hour he says i die every day and then he says what do i gain if humanly speaking i fought with beasts in ephesus if the dead are not raised 
In 2017, we'd say, screw it, <laughs> right? If the dead are not raised, what's their saying? Party on, right? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And yet Paul, is that the way he thinks about it all? No, not at all, right? Paul wholeheartedly believed in the resurrection. In fact, if you read Paul, he so believes in the resurrection. He is willing to face incredible hardships. He even dies for his faith. Why? Because, and this is so important for us today, he knew that this life wasn't all that there is. If you remember the accounts of the disciples, when Jesus was still on this earth, so before the crucifixion, they struggled with this, right? They struggled with this whole idea because they had a different view of who Jesus was and what he was going to do uh, compared to what he actually did, right? Many of them, they couldn't imagine Jesus dying. Many of them, when, when Jesus was killed, they, they fled, they scattered, they, they abandoned it because they thought Jesus was coming in to show the Romans a, two or th a thing or two, right? They thought Jesus was coming in, he was going to kick the Romans out, he was going to establish an earthly kingdom, by the way, even though he told them again and again, hey guys, I'm going to have to die for you, they, they just couldn't understand, they couldn't believe that him dying, that that was going to happen. Part of the problem, here's a part of the problem for these disciples. They were living for the here and now. Just like we do sometimes. We get stuck into this, right? Save us now, right? Save us for the here and now. Save us from those Romans. Make my life better right now. Right? And then we tack on in the name of Jesus, hoping that does something better for us. Right? They, they truly didn't understand what Jesus had come to do. And I think that is a, just a huge thing in American Christianity right now. We still don't understand what Jesus truly came to do. But then, if you read your scriptures, you know something happens, right? After that resurrection, something happens. In fact, everything changes after the resurrection. Now, when he first shows up to them, if you remember, they were in a room. Were they in the room because they were just really confident and feeling really good about themselves and really good about their faith? No, they were hiding, right? After he dies, they hide. They're afraid for their lives. But then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And once they saw the resurrected Christ, you see this incredible shift in the Bible. The people who had scattered, the people who had gone into hiding, they're now willing to die for Jesus. People who had doubted, people who had questioned, they're now willing to die for Jesus. Because they begin to realize, filled with the Holy Spirit, that this life, this life is not all that there is. That Jesus died for something bigger. Jesus died for something better, something eternal that would last forever. And so after witnessing with their own eyes that Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life, they began to live radically different lives. And in light of all this, I think especially as American Christians, we got to ask ourselves the question, how many times do we find ourselves living for the world and for what Jesus can do for us in the here and now compared to living with that eternal perspective that we now have eternal life with him? It's easy to get sucked in that way of living where you act and you talk, kind of go about life as if this is all there is, like this is all we got. In fact, Christians, we look very similar to the world sometimes in the way we, we live and interact with this world. So instead of living with that eternal perspective, knowing that this isn't our home, knowing that Jesus has prepared a place for us, knowing that we'll abide with him and in him forever, instead we get sidetracked and we begin to live for the temporal instead of the eternal. 
By the way, that's not a new thing. Christians have been struggling with this for 2,000 years now. If you remember when we went through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, John had to speak against this again and again and again, right? He had to remind us of who we are and whose we are. And he says, he says, and he's, by this way, by this, this is, he's speaking to Christians here. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides how long? Forever. John understood this. Paul understood this. The disciples, many of the early Christians, they understood this, that even though there's this temptation, a temptation, a true, honest, powerful temptation to live for the things of this world, that this earth, it's passing away along with all its desires, but those who follow the Lord, those who serve Him and obey Him, they will last forever. And hallelujah, that includes many of us in this room, right? We're living for something more than this world. Isn't that beautiful? Do you ever just need the Holy Spirit to remind you of that? That we're actually living for something more. We're living for a life that will last forever. By the way, that's why we endure, right? That's why as Christians, we persevere. That's why as Christians, we're pretty tough people. We're some pretty mean mamma-jammas, right? There's a fire within us, right? Danger every hour, so be it. Fighting wild beasts? I, okay, let's do it. I, I can't imagine where that's going to be, like maybe the raccoon in my backyard, but I don't know. Just bring it on, Well, whatever it means. But it's worth it, right? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it because as Christians, we're not living for the next vacation, right? As Christians, we're not living for our retirement. We're living for Christ. Christ is our retirement, right? Christ is life. Christ is in us. If Christ is in us, then life is in us. Eternal life is in us. Life. And Paul, he talks about his own life. I just love Paul. I mean, just read Paul. He's so good. This is what he describes his life a little bit. He says, we're afflicted in every way. How many ways? <laughs> every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to s- despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love it. You know, Paul, in the midst of it all, he knew that he had Christ. And we have Christ. Just the encouragement that we have Christ. And in Christ, we have hope. The hope of resurrection. The hope of eternal life. And so that means even in the worst of situations. And I know some of you are hearing your stories right now, and they are not good. They're tough. Like You're going through tough things, hard things. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, even in those situations, you have hope. In the darkest moments, we have hope. When everything, have you ever been here? I've been there when it feels like everything is falling apart, right? There's no direction you can look where it doesn't look like rubble. As a Christian, do you have hope in that situation? Of course we have hope. Jesus is our hope. It's not in this world. It's not in the people of this world. It's not in the systems of this world. No, it's in Jesus Jesus, he is the resurrection. He is the life. Whoever believes in him, though he die, shall he live. And everyone who believes, or everyone who lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. I love what Life Center in Tacoma has been doing. Have you guys heard of the Hope 253? Right? It's so good. 
It's awesome. In fact, last Sunday night, they had a huge free concert at the Tacoma Dome, and many people gave their lives to the Lord. And I was thinking about it this week, and my son went to that and, and said it was just it was great. But I was thinking about those people who left the Tacoma Dome, that they now have hope. They now have hope. But we need to understand they have hope even if nothing gets better in their life. Now, I do think life is better with Jesus. Right? I believe he came to give us this true, abundant life, life to the full. But let's say nothing in a practical sense gets better as they leave that Tacoma Dome. So they leave and they, they still can't find a job. They leave and their, their spouse still hates them. They, they leave and they go to school and they're still mistreated or bullied in school. We have to understand that even though maybe nothing in the practical sense has changed, everything has changed. Everything has changed because they have hope. And it's not a hope in this world. It's a hope that they will live forever in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We've got to remember, for, for the history of Christianity, for people around this world, becoming a Christian, it really was a death sentence. And I don't think we, we get that. But for, for most of Christians, for, for the, the time that Christianity has been around, when you became born again, which we just love singing about that, we love you know, saying, man, it's so cool, like I'm a new creation, born again, many parts of the world, that experience would cost you your life. And then, let's say they didn't kill you, right? Let's say they spared your life. Well, your family probably would abandon you. Your family would completely, probably just disown you as if you had never been born. And let's say it doesn't even get that bad, but and you get to keep your job. Well, and still this is happening all over around the world. Uh, your, your employer will fire you, fire you, but if they don't fire you, guess what? You're not getting that promotion. See, becoming a Christian in a lot of the areas of the world, it did not help you very much in the here and now. Which again, American Christianity, we make Jesus all about the here and now. But for a lot of people, for the history of Humanity, the whole idea in the pleasure world, in the comfort world, not much happened. But then why have people for thousands of years been willing to say, yes, mom, yes, dad, it's true. I, I'm a Christian. I, I actually profess and confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I, I believe in him. Why? Have people been willing to give up everything? By the way, in a lot of cultures, that costs you everything. Because they had hope. For the first time in their life, they had hope. Hope that this life, it's not all that there is. That there is a Savior. There is a Lord. And He Himself is the resurrection and the life. This is how Paul talks about this hope in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. 
Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord, how long? Forever. And then I love what he says. So encourage one another. Encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with these words. Encourage. I hope we're encouraging those around us with these words. I don't think we talk about it enough. Uh, just as Christians, encourage one another with these words. In the midst of everything going on, people need hope. People need Jesus. As your pastor, I want to thank each one of you who has stood up against injustice, stood up against hate and bigotry and racism. We, we got to speak against those things, especially as Christians. There's no place for any of it if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he tells us that he broke down the dividing walls of hostility. He said there's no longer Greek or Jew. Jesus, he came down to demolish those walls. But sadly, if Jesus doesn't come back before I take my last breath, and I hope, he, come Jesus, come. But if he doesn't, there will probably still be hatred and bigotry, injustice, and evil in the world because we know there's an enemy. We know that he's on the prowl. Did you know that? He's on the prowl. He's looking for people to devour. But in the midst of it all, we as Christians, we can tell a hopeless people, people who are in the deepest despair, people who are just like, what do we do? We can tell them we have the answer. Jesus is still the answer. There is hope. You know, this week, uh, maybe this will ruffle you a little bit, but this week I was thinking about those who live in North Korea who are living in some of the worst conditions. And I was thinking about how much God loves them. And you know what God does? He does this all over the world. He calls people. He speaks to people. He's calling people in North Korea to come and follow him. He's calling people to say yes to him. But becoming a Christian in North Korea, it's not going to help your plot in this life, right? It's not going to help you very much when you're underneath a government like that. But you know what? It's going to give you hope. It's going to give you hope that even if your government doesn't change, even if everyone around you hates your Jesus, even if it feels like darkness surrounds you, you have hope in Jesus because when you say yes to him, you say yes to resurrection, you say yes to life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was looking the other day, and I talked a little bit about it earlier, but we have people watching and listening to these sermons from all over the world. I was looking the Sunday that Laura preached. Laura was singing today. Laura, that Sunday, of course, people from all over the United States. We had uh, France, Germany, Amsterdam, United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, China, Kuwait. Kuwait! Welcome! I, and I was like, Kuwait, this is awesome. And I looked, and the person from Kuwait's been listening every week. Praise the Lord. Each one of those countries has its issues and has its problems. But I believe that, and we got to believe this, even if Jesus doesn't come into those countries and, and kick the Romans out, right? Kick the Romans out, establish his earthly kingdom, just like those early disciples 
They have hope. We have hope. Every person in every one of these countries, we still have hope. Wherever you're watching it from, wherever you're listening it from, listen to me, hear me. You have hope. You have hope in Jesus. Why? Because we serve the resurrection. We serve the eternal life. As Jesus declared to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And this is a question he asks every one of us. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Right? He asks every one of us, do you believe this? And we say what? We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe that you're the Christ. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the one who is coming into the world. So would you bow your heads with me and let's just pray to the Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that this is not the end. This is not the end of us. I, I think about the beautiful people in my life who have who've died, who have gone on who I, I wish I would have been able to spend longer times with. I wish I could have had another cup of coffee. I wish I, I could have spent just another moment with them, another conversation. There's so many questions I want to ask people like Ray Wright. There's so many things I still want to do with people who have gone on before. And yet, Jesus, we know that this is not the end. We know this is not the end, and yet sometimes we just get sucked into this way of living where we think it is the end, where we think this is all we got, and, and this is all, all that we're living for. And yet, Jesus, right now, just forgive us of that attitude. Forgive us where we start working and, and living and, and moving and breathing by the desires of the flesh instead of the desires of your Holy Spirit. And so soften us even now, Lord. Soften us now. Soften our hearts. Soften our minds. Soften us, Lord. Just speak the things of your spirit. Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to die. That the fear of death would no longer grip us, no longer enslave us. But we'd be free. Free to know that whether it's here or whether it's with you, that we have you, Jesus, for all time, for all eternity. That we would say to live as Christ, to die is gain. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray over this country. Lord, I love this country. But Lord, it's such a brokenness. Lord, we pray that you would come in and shine your light and shine it through us, Jesus. Shine it through us, Lord. I, I just repent of any area where, where I, I've not shined your light. I, I want to be a good example of you, Jesus. I want to be a good example of your kingdom. Life Spring Church, we want to be a good example of love. That God, just as you told us last week, that as you have loved us, we might love one another. Lord, I know that we can't fix all the problems and the evils of this world but we know the one who can we know jesus that you are so good at coming in and bringing restoration bringing uh, reconciliation you're, you're so good at breaking down those walls of hostility we thank you lord we thank you jesus we thank you god we pray lord right now just move on this land move in your people move in your people move in the hearts of your people stir us up for the things of your kingdom stir us up for the things of love, joy, and peace, and patience, for kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have your way in our lives. But Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of it all, even if it got darker, even if this world began to crumble and fall apart, that our hope ultimately is not in this world. My hope 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 and my life is found in you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you that in the midst of it all, in the midst of anxiety and worries and fears, that I'm held in your arms. That Jesus, as a body, we abide in you and you abide in us. 
We thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of the chaos and the darkness, that we can rest in the eternal presence of a loving Father. And we thank you that our last breath here is our first breath in paradise with you. We thank you that nothing, even death itself, could separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. In your wonderful and glorious name we pray. Amen.